God has blessed us to bless others. And while we're spending a significant amount on a technology upgrade, we became convinced that we also needed to channel some funds into ministry and missions. And so the challenge of the Acts 1-8 project became, uh, let's see if we can invest $10,000 locally, $10,000 mission statewide, and then $10,000 in world missions. And so Dennis Deck and Michelle Durheim and me met um, probably about three or four months ago, just began to pray about maybe making some suggestions where those funds should go. Uh, then we took that and recommended that to the missions committee, that recommended that to our church board, that recommended that to you. <laughs> See, things don't happen quickly in, in church settings, and that's how we got here today. And so that's the little bit of the background of the Acts 1-8 project. Laura, if you want to come up. I'm so thankful for the Community Resource Center. You know, when you look at the book of Acts, one of the things that the church did was that they met the needs of people. And so as we thought about investing money in our own community, um, the suggestion was made, the Community Resource Center that is here to uh, encourage and help those in need in our own community. And so we have, on behalf of uh, our church family, a a check to the Community Resource Center for $6,500. And Laura, I think you want to say a few words here about the Community Resource Center. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having us here today. Um, I'm just going to say personally, this is my first experience in a congregation um, for over a year. So uh, it's great. It, It felt so good to sing those hymns this morning. And it also brought back a memory of being at Sunday school with my grandmother as a child. Um, I remember those services as being mostly hymns. It's probably because I was a child and that's what I could do, right? Um, But anyway, it's a great warm feeling for us to be here. I also wanted to just um, let you know that our organization, the Community Resource Center, is extremely thankful for this gift, Um, this gift that you all, you know, put your own faith behind in support of people in our own community, our, you know, our world space right here at home. And it means so much to so many people in so many different ways. And I provided a copy on the table outside, and it'll be available in the fellowship hall, of a little presentation that we did for our annual meeting that was attended by all um, 12 of our board members and myself, because that's what happens when you host an annual meeting sometime on Zoom. Um, next year, we're going to hope for something a little bigger. But just to give you a little background on our last year here in Manchester, um, we we continued to work. We were considered an essential business, so we stayed open during this whole time. We had limited staff and volunteers on site just to stay safe and protect not only our our staff and volunteers, but also our customers or our clients. We um, looked at ways that we could still provide all the services, but in a very safe manner. So we kind of switched everything from an in-person service over a over-the-phone service, and then scheduling appointments for people to come and get food from the food pantry, for example, 
or if they needed help with a benefits program, um, we could do that over the phone with them online. Um, we just had to really be creative, like so many others did, and know that people still needed us, and we still wanted to be there to help them. Other changes um, last year, and especially you know, a way that your gift really helps us is that you know things changed financially for many big organizations that support nonprofits. So, for example, like United Way campaigns, where we had received some funding. Okay, excuse me. There's a little spider here on the mic. So thank you. <laughs> He's like coming right at me. My wife doesn't like him either. So, come on. I can talk really loud. Actually, <laughs> sorry about this. Okay. Wait, well, you visitors are going to remember uh, your visit to Manchester. Yes. Okay, you came from Zambia, so the spiders are really big there. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, but if it was a snake, I would be out the door. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, back to just our mission. So in appreciation of your mission's efforts, our mission is to serve people here in our community um, by providing programming and services that help them get through their daily life. But also, we try to connect with our community and engage volunteerism. And we look at the community as the whole picture. It's all of our partners, like your congregation here, that help us do our work, right? We won't know what the problems are unless we hear people in the community tell us, you know, this, I see this as an issue. These, you know, there's people who can't get to the food pantry. They need food delivered. There are folks who need help with a utility bill and they don't know where to call. Things like that. We need to hear that in our own community so that we can help people. And your gift is going to help us help others. Um, the other thing is, is we also have to reach out to our bigger partners. Um, we partner with other organizations that provide more specific services, but we like to look at ourselves as a referral agent or the conduit that helps people find those folks. So if we know somebody who needs some help with um, counseling, for example, and they're just not sure where to turn, or they don't want to reach out to that big organization yet, they want to start somewhere local or somewhere smaller where they feel more comfortable or have a trust already built in, and maybe they don't have a church family to turn to, our organization is there. We've been in the community for over 32 years. Most people recognize us. We still run into a few people who say, what do you do? When did you start? Where are you at? Um, what we tell people is just call us. Our phone number is pretty much everywhere. And in the handout, there's a picture of the sign outside of our door. And it's got our phone number on it really big. So so you can always just start by calling or telling people to give us a phone call. Um, we will reach back out to them. If we can't help them directly, we will find somebody who can help them. And we we feel good about what we're able to do in partnership with folks like you as well as other big agencies and organizations around the county just because we know when we work together we can really accomplish a lot, and we can make our community so much better. 
And we're all in this to achieve one thing, and that's to ease people's problems, help them get through life, and just make sure that nobody has to struggle, and especially struggle on their own. Thank you so much. I've had a um, couple occasions in the last year or two to uh, call the Community Resource Center and, and connect with uh, Laura, and uh, she has a heart to help people, and so grateful for that. So thank you, and thank you, Leslie, as, as well. Well, the other piece of our um, local project of uh, $10,000 is going to be a, a marriage seminar that we're going to have, Lord willing, in the fall here, and we're going to partner with uh, Bridge to Life Ministries, which is in Spring Lake, Michigan, on the other side of the state. And uh, uh, we're going to hopefully do it upright, and we don't have that all planned out yet, but whatever's left from our budget of $3,500, we're just going to channel into uh, Bridge to Life Ministries that helps um, marriages that are struggling and perhaps in crisis. And so that money will be uh, passed on to them uh, in the in the fall. All right, we're moving on to uh, our next uh, area, and that is uh, uh, statewide. And so we're so thankful that Marty and Christine Boot are here. They're locally here in Manchester. Their daughter's out in Eatonville, Washington, and they're going to tell you a little bit why she's out there. Um, wow, uh, talk about uh, humbling and um, just uh, just so amazing. I mean, I think the first. Um, thoughts that came to our mind was, wow, um, and we were just so taken aback by the generosity and the faith and support you all showed. Um, we've been here in Manchester for since 2000. We moved here in 2000 and have four children. All four of our children started school here, went through the Manchester public school systems, and uh, we're just blessed to have been a part of the community. Uh, Jocelyn graduated in 2019, and um, she spent her first summer wondering what she was going to do with her life and struggling to figure out she didn't want to go to college and she didn't, wasn't quite sure how to, um, you know, invest her time and spend the rest of her life. Well, she surprised us a little bit by taking off and going to Alaska for an entire summer to work at a Christian camp there. And, uh, we had a feeling that might be the beginning of bigger things. So, you know, I want to step back. I, I kind of prepared some notes, but I want to step back and just be a little bit more personal. Um, I'm sure most of you have kids and have raised kids and, that's a struggle. You always pray that, um, you know, God helps you do your very best and that he protects them and keeps them and raises them up in the admission of the Lord. Um, and we did our best to try to do that. Um, but with Jocelyn, um, I'm going to speak a little personally about her because she has a special place in my heart. She's loved by both of us. Don't get me wrong. But... I, God put um, something on my heart early on, and I don't know why, but I always desired to raise a baby girl. And we had three boys. <laughs> three boys, three girl names, Hannah, Hannah, and Hannah. And we never had a girl. And we weren't planning on having any more kids, so Jocelyn was kind of our special blessing and surprise after we moved here to Manchester. Um, and we got rid of the name Hannah. <laughs> and we had a girl. Um, so God finally blessed us with a baby girl. But God taught me something in that process as well, too. We were sitting at a Christian um, meeting one time um, years ago in our relationship, and a gentleman got up and shared about the loss of his daughter. 
And they went, they struggled with that loss for a long time and, and asking those questions to God that everybody would have in those situations. But her name was Hannah. And I don't know why, but God used that moment in my life to teach me about his sovereignty. And I hope you all have a similar moment like that in your lives as well, too. We can't choose who we're born to or what type of children that we have, sex, name, or anything like that. God is sovereign, and he gave us Jocelyn. So it's a little bit of a struggle as parents, but we're giving her back. It's his turn now with her, and uh, he has called her to do something very special. Jocelyn graduated here from Manchester. She's now in Eatonville, Washington, as Pastor Ron mentioned. She's at Trinity Aviation, which is a missionary aviation training school. And her calling on her life has been to serve in the mission field as a pilot. Um, Missionary pilots serve throughout the world uh, to provide disaster relief, deliver food and water, um, provide medical care, and to serve both uh, unreached people, isolated people around the world, but also pastors, missionaries, and laborers also working on the mission field because they need help and assistance, and we need to be able to reach them as well. So that's what she's striving to do. I don't know if you know, and I want to just give a little bit of background here. I'm sure you've all heard the statistics, but there's an estimate that over 6,900 unreached people groups exist in the world today, over 6 billion people um, that are unreached. Um, There's estimates that about one-sixth of the world's population can't be reached um, either at all or even practically except with airplanes. So we won't be able to reach some of those people groups, some of those isolated people that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ yet without missionary pilots risking their lives and dedicating their lives to that mission. And that's what Jocelyn has chosen to do. So we thank you for coming alongside of her and supporting her. She wishes to thank you. Um, She is um, just so, so thankful and grateful that you folks have decided to support her and come alongside her in that mission as well, too. Um, She's come a long way in the last six months since November of last year when she moved out there. Uh, By the time she comes home for her brother's wedding at the end of the month, uh, she will have completed all of her ground school training. That means reading lots and lots of books and taking her test um, and then flying, um, and then finally completing what we call, or what they call, the check ride with the FFA on Wednesday of next week. So after Wednesday of next week, and by the time she comes home at the end of the month, she will have already obtained her private pilot's license, um, which is a huge first step in the entire process. So th- thank the Lord for that. He's been very, very um, faithful in the entire process. Um, what's next for Jocelyn? Well, your gift is going to help her continue her training, um, and that will include the various ratings and certifications she needs. For example, she has to learn how to fly an airplane only by instrument. She has to learn how to fly an airplane that has a tailwheel, which is actually more difficult to land, um, a seaplane, uh, a multi-engine plane, and then finally to obtain her commercial pilot's license at the end of that entire process. So she has a ways to go in, in that process and a lot of flying to do yet, but she's already accrued 50 hours of flight time um, in the process. Um, in addition to that, and perhaps just as importantly, if not more importantly, um, she's seeking opportunities right now to continue her discipleship and Bible training, and she's looking at various schools around the country that allow her to do that and continue the flight training at the same time. So um, her mission one day is to be out there flying and navigating the skies, serving the Lord, uh, and helping reach lost people and isolated people 
with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we sincerely appreciate um, your support and your faithfulness in that, um, helping her do that. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here this morning. Part two of the puzzle here for our uh, missions statewide is uh, Tent Makers Bible Mission. And we've been associated with uh, Tent Makers Bible Mission for quite a while, their church planting organization. Uh, LaGrange, Wyoming, do I have that right? Is where, right, where their headquarters is. And uh, Dick and Carolyn Mannion have been uh, associated with them for a long time. We're so grateful for Tent Makers Bible Mission and... Uh, had a long association. Ron, Ron and Wanda Thompson have been their directors for a while. And uh, so we're grateful uh, on behalf of our church to pass on uh, $3,333 to Ten Makers Bible Mission for uh, for the glory of God. Dick asked me to say a few words to start with. And um, we were just floored when your pastor uh, let us know what was going to be happening and just God has been so gracious and good to you folks here, and you've been very generous. Um, when uh, we contacted our mission office and told them the, of the upcoming gift, they let us know of a very definite need. Um, a year ago, they purchased a van for the mission, and uh, in fact, when Dick and I went back for their 35th anniversary, they picked us up in Cheyenne with that van. Well, they also bought a metal uh, carport. And I don't know how many of you have been to Wyoming, but you know it does get a little windy there. Very windy. <laughs> and it, they attached this metal carport, but uh, after only one month, they had some high winds and it just it took it off it sheared whatever connection it had it sheared it off and so in part these monies are going to be used to build a storage shed with attached carport with sides because the hail and everything they need to protect that that's tied down yes yes (laughs) but anyway um the mission is very grateful and we say thank you so much and it's a delight for me personally to be here again it's been quite a few quite a long time since we've been over here so thank you pastor for inviting us well we just want to add my gratitude and thanks for your faithful support for the Mannions down through the years in 1985 TBM started a recruitment and training program for church planting missionaries that is still going on today. We're always anxious and eager to see kids from Bible colleges and Bible schools come to the field and get their feet wet in a summer ministry. And we kind of learned that if uh, they really come and enjoy the ministry, we'll probably see them back on the field as full-time missionaries. That's happened several times. So that's a very integral part of our outreach is to get students to come in the summertime when students are free. When they And uh, some of them come and say, uh, well, I'll come for a couple of weeks, but I, you need to know something. What's a, we have a school bill we need to pay off, too. So, uh, all right, well, we'll pray for that. They said, well, we had something in mind maybe in addition to that. But uh, just kidding. But we've had some great students, and uh, they've gone on to work uh, on the field for many years. 
One of our first was Ron Thompson. I don't know if he's ever been here to this church. Uh, he was very close friends with Pastor Tim Miles. You've heard that name, haven't you? And um, But uh, just a little bit of history, just a thumbnail sketch. Uh, TBM in 1985 started really focusing on recruiting and training church planting missionaries. That's what we wanted. Uh, there are other ministries that are very important ministries in the Lord's work, but we believed that God had called us to be exclusively a church planting missionary, a mission board, and that's what we have been. Uh, you might have some knowledge of our very first missionary by the name of Tim and Joy Miles. Did a tremendous job planting the church in St. George, Utah. Uh, we hold them up as uh, the example for our new missionaries. We even we go beyond that. We send them to Tim and Joy for some internship, uh, and that's that's a wise thing to have someone of their caliber to train and work with uh, new missionaries. Today, we have uh, approximately 67 missionaries serving throughout the world. And uh, we're thankful for each one. Our ministry today is not just on the, in, the, in the West, in the Western states of Utah and Idaho, but we're also in the countries of Spain, Brazil, New Zealand, and Honduras. So we have, uh, God sent us uh, some, some great, great workers, and uh, if they go to places like Honduras, Oh, and she's pointing out, you forgot Uganda. Yes, in Uganda, too. That's the newest one. Steve and Deb Roderick. Steve and Deb were at our church at Rocky Mountain Bible Church in Frisco, Colorado, and Steve and Deb ran Aspen Canyon Ranch, a Christian uh, campground for uh, any youth group that wishes to participate. And we always went up there with a a large youth group. And then the married couple said, uh, wait a minute, we want to get in on this too. So the very couple started going up for retreats. But Steve and Deb were our missionaries. Now they're missionaries under our board to Uganda. It's good seeing the, God, the Lord lead these people on as they, uh, as, as they continue working for the Lord. Uh, TBM, Tent Makers Bible Mission, is in its 36th year of ministry. Um, you may, maybe some of you remember when I was here and spoke when Pastor Tim Miles was, was, was serving. And uh, we're so glad to have him out west. Don't hold it against us that we, that we stole him from here. But uh, he's, he and Joy are just a tremendous blessing to everyone. Uh, we wish, we wish, send us more Tim and Joys, okay? <laughs> They're terrific and, uh, we're thankful for his leadership on the field council. Uh, and uh, their activities with with all the things that we involved ourselves in they they were key keep uh, key people in getting uh, our campground started up in the mountains, which involved a lot of things with government getting water rights and one thing and another so god 's blessed us, and uh, we 're thankful for the opportunity to be here and express our gratitude to you for being such an integral part of what God has called us to do. Thank you. Dick and Carolyn's son, Jeff, um, serves as pastor at Ada Bible Church in Grand Rapids, and uh, Jeff's a gifted speaker, author, and um, multi-site church. God has blessed him in a great way. So if you ever get to hear Jeff Mannion speak, you will be, uh, you will be blessed.
I'll ask uh, Becky to come up. And uh, Women at Risk International. Um, I like the acrostic uh, when you put it together. It's called war. And if you know anything about what's going on in our world today, there's a war. And it's a war for the hearts and the souls of um, men, women, young people. And I'm so grateful there's an organization like Women at Risk that uh, Becky founded and leads that um, ministers and helps and rescues people from desperate situations. So on behalf of our church, um, we're going to pass on $3,333 to War Women at Risk International and uh, pray that God will use that for his kingdom, and I know he will. Well, I had the greatest privilege. I wasn't going to start this way, but I've been listening to the legacy of raising in the body of Christ those that love and walk with God. And I had the greatest privilege in the world of growing up as a missionary kid on the foreign field. Went to East Pakistan when I was five, stayed there till college, went to boarding school in West Pakistan, grew up with three brothers in the Taliban. (laughs) You learn how to laugh on the outside while you're puking on the inside when you have all brothers, right? (laughs) But seriously, um, by the time I was um, 14, we had been through two wars. Um, At seven, we were bombed every night by India. Did not know if we'd wake up, didn't know if... my parents would wake up, and I always thought I'd wake up and have to rescue my brothers. And then at the age of 14, it was a civil war where West Pakistan conducted a genocide against East Pakistan, and India came to our defense, and we became Bangladesh. And um, we stayed there through both of those wars so that my father, who was a surgeon, could protect the Bangladeshi people. And my girlfriend, 14, um, I'll just say she was attacked, you know what I mean, and fought back. And to teach her in her particular context, not all Muslim contexts are this way, but in her context, you are a woman, you are property, you have no voice. How dare you fight back? So they threw acid, not in her face as usual, but down her throat to take away her vocal cords forever. And God used the acid of her suffering to burn a hole in my heart, to be the voice of the silence and wrap arms of love around them and tell them the message of worth, that they have worth and that they're made in the image of the Elohim God, they're daughters and sons of the King of Kings, and just give them that safe place to rewrite the story of their life. And so today, Women at Risk International is in 57 countries. I just literally got back from Zambia. I'm jet-lagged. So if I act a little weird, I get—I have an excuse. <laughs> I'm weird anyway, but whatever. And so we have over 200 programs, and our mission is to create circles of protection. And yes, we rescue men as well, men, women, and children. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said, darkness does not drive out darkness, light does. And we have the light of the world. You know, the government can rescue, but it cannot bring hope. And right now, at this very minute, it is 10 o'clock to 11 on the other side of the world. And yes, we are in the United States of America, too, rescuing. But right now, on the other side of the world, it is noon. 
And they have finished a night of going into the darkest places and faithfully invading the darkness, that place nobody wants to go, with the whisper of come, come to the light. And giving them the gospel, your gift will shine a light in dark places. It will punch holes in the darkness. Those places that we march into where nobody wants to go. You know, we love the story of the good shepherd, and we love our 99 in the fold, don't we? But he went out to the one. And somebody has to go to the one. You know, my husband and I have served for decades. Um, I grew up overseas, came home for college. He's a Cedarville grad. That's how your pastor knows him. And... Um, he came to seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I was at Grand Rapids Baptist College at the time. And we met. He was in seminary. Then he went on to get his Ph.D. And because he had gone to Africa, his heart was for missions. And after he got his doctorate, we walked away from those job offers and we went straight to the mission field. He is in Zambia right now. He'll be there for another three weeks. So I understand closed country ministries because most of our ministry as a family was in closed countries. We went back overseas, raised our children overseas. You know, when COVID hit, the world came to a screeching halt. (laughs) But risk did not. In fact, risk escalated. It has gone exponentially worse. The broken pieces have become huge caverns and cap- and just gigantic problems. About 12 years ago, when Homeland Security called our offices in Grand Rapids, Michigan, they were looking for a six-month-old being advertised on the Internet for what I won't describe, but you can imagine, and they wanted our help. Last month, we rescued a three-week-old in Grand Rapids, Michigan, being sold by its mother. Two teenagers thought they were talking to 11-year-olds on the Internet, invited them to their front yard, and things happened. So the most dangerous place in the world is in our own backyard, in our home computers. We fight 15 different risk issues. We're mostly known for our fight against human trafficking because it's the fastest-growing arm of crime, and it's right here in America, up to 356,000 minors a year. That's American citizens. That's your daughter and my granddaughter who are at risk. Rural areas, doesn't matter where. We've rescued children as young as six days old, three years old, 15 years old, 22 years old. It doesn't matter. But we are not afraid. We march into the darkness. We don't run. We don't hide. We named ourselves after risk, right? So that's what we do. We we embrace the brokenness and give a safe place in the name above all names to rebuild, start over, and rewrite the story of their lives. And my passion for you is that when, at the end, I want to talk to you a little bit about your story. You know, during COVID, our 911, our own 911 line, we have a 1877 end slavery number. If you ever are in a situation, see something and just want someone to tell, you can call us and we'll vet it. We got a call on a Friday at four o'clock from a pastor whose sister had been lured by a fake boyfriend to Tennessee. And she happened to run into one of our survivors who was speaking, went up to her and whispered, I'm trapped. 
gave us gave her our number. He called us at four. The phones go to voicemail at five. And by Saturday, we had her rescued in an FBI raid and in by Sunday in a treatment program. It doesn't always work that quickly, but we celebrate those times when it happens. But under COVID, our 911 line doesn't ring five times a month. It rings five times a day. And I'm talking about American phone calls. We have a serious problem in our nation. And so we began training. We're licensed in all 50 states to train churches and universities and medical, all licensed in all 50 states to train medical professionals and law enforcement, Pentagon, Quantico, whoever, military bases, five-star hotels, whoever will listen, how to see the signs. And we do one for civilians and one for young people because your young people are the target. And by the way, your young people know things that you never were exposed to. I tell parents, your kids know everything. I'm not saying they're involved in everything, but they're exposed to everything. They didn't ask for it. It's just up in their face. And so we have got to think differently about how we address this. If you're interested in some information, you can just go to our website and go to the media section, and there is a there's all kinds of um, short videos, five minute, fifteen minute, thirty minute, and one specifically by Homeland Security on what she wishes. She's a believer from Cedarville. <laughs> what she wishes families knew about this scourge that's a wildfire and growing faster than guns and drugs in our nation. And there's one on there about media as well. Um, I wasn't going to go into this, but I want you to know one, two things, if you don't remember anything else I say today. 60% of human traffickers are women. This is not a male versus female problem. This is a problem of the heart. And 95% of all victims think they know their trafficker. It is not kidnapping. That's 3%. So this is somebody, your child, or you or someone thinks they know, and it could be a woman. And so this is what we fight, just to leave a legacy of safe places where people can start over unconditionally, rewrite the story of their life, and war does fight for three things. We fight for peace, the Prince of Peace. The peace that passes all understanding, shalom, the Jehovah shalom, and giving the gospel. It's wonderful to see one person rescued and come to know the true and living God, but it's amazing when you see three generations. We rescued a girl, sold by her grandmother, told to go sell herself. Nope, wouldn't do it. Gave her mother three incomes, not enough. Mother took her, left her to be broken. And when we came into her life, she jumped at it, came to know Christ, and led her grandmother and her daughter. So when we have a banquet, all three generations sitting there who now walk with the true and living God. That is generational change. That floats my boat. Because that means it's going to change. That systemic change. And we fight for generational change. A little four-year-old boy was brought to us by his slave mother, 
who was in the slums. And she said, I cannot protect him any longer. We raised him. He graduated a year ago with a degree in engineering. Imagine going from the slums to being an engineer and raising his own siblings in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's generational change. We've graduated doctors and lawyers and school teachers and goat herders and cosmetologists and cake decorators and candlestick makers, literally. Whatever their dream is, what do you say to your children? What do you want to be when you grow up? That's what we say. One woman in Grand Rapids, Michigan said, oh, I've learned never to dream. And I said, start now. You know, Einstein said, the world will not be destroyed by evil people, but by good people who see evil and do nothing. And that's the body of Christ. That's you and me. That's our story. This is a sanctuary. I don't know if, you know, I know that a person being sold against their will probably would not run to a pastor or a policeman because they know that what's being done to them is wrong. Yet I don't care whether they run into organized religion because every one of you believe that you are the temple of the living God. You are a sanctuary. If you are the safest place on earth to those you love, and by the way, mom and dad, that means you have to be unshockable. Because if your kids come to you with your worst nightmare and you go, they will not come to you. Their perception is your reality. So we have got to be unshockable. We have got to go to the one outside the fold. Your gift, I have a special um, piece of information for you. We are putting it toward a match fund. I've been praying and asking God for $20,000. And you just got us like, we're only like $3,000 short now to go into the fall because Giving Tuesday, you know, I didn't know about all this stuff before. I just ran on around on mission fields and played with babies and wounded women. But um, we're doing a matching fund, so your gift is doubled. It's going to be six, six, oh, six, six, six. <laughs> well, take that, evil, <laughs> in your face, right? So it will be doubled. You know, we sang a song about how his mercies are new every morning. And one of the things I love to tell our women is that this is the God of the second, third, fourth, and umpteenth chance. You can blow it today, and you can start over tomorrow morning because his mercies are new every morning. And every morning you get to rewrite the story of your life with a gift, with a pen, an ink pen dipped in the blood of the Lamb. You don't think of yourself as sold out to slavery, but in Genesis 3.16, y'all, we all were trafficked. And God didn't look down in the muck and the mire of life outside the garden and go, nasty little life you have, go do something nice. He sent an undercover rescue. When I was speaking to special ops at Fort Bragg who were believers, I said, look at the Christmas story through special ops eyes. A little star, a little choir, smelly sheep, you know, to pay the price for us on Easter and buy us back. And that is the greatest rescue story of all so thank you for your gift because it will not go unused you know my grandpa um, ran a church well all over the place but one in specific in iowa and every time they needed a new roof or sound system he had a rule and i learned a lot from him they had to raise the same amount for missions and they'd take the offering and buy gum it would be literally double 
And God will honor you. You're going to have to do that. But God will honor you for caring not only for your own needs that are real and important, but caring for others' needs. So on behalf of every one of our partners out there that are slugging it out in the dark, in the trenches, thank you. You just stepped into the trenches. And yes, we teach our women to make jewelry and to sew because we have to give them a way to make a living immediately so that they don't get scammed right back into the same thing. So I didn't even wear jewelry before. So the volunteers from Women at Risk are my heroes because I would not bring stuff with me if I had to do this by myself. So I just have to say thank you to both of you from the pulpit because it's because of them, it's because of people like you that just in jewelry, which pays our women's wages while we get them scholarships for college and everything else, in the last seven years, we've sold $9 million of their product. And that is not about $9 million. That's about tens of millions of hours with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God surrounding them and that's what it's all about so god bless you and thank you all right we're glad for the youngs that are here representing world mission and uh, this is our uh, component overseas we connected with world mission a couple years ago and and did the treasures and i remember um collecting money for the treasures and we've got a little thank you plaque in our entryway from world mission and so we're grateful that uh, we're able to pass on uh, $10,000 to World Mission and uh, praise God for that. Uh, I want to thank you for your generosity for World Mission. And I want to tell you a little bit about what your money is going to do. Now, I want to congratulate you for the way that you picked all these different ministries because they fit together so well. It's funny when I look at World Mission, we have airplanes that are traveling around trying to reach unreached people group. We have centers where we're helping women who have been assaulted. But what we really do, the main thing we do is reach unreached people. So what we are is we're a great commission ministry. And we had that, you actually had that up there earlier. And the great commission is simply for us to go out into all the world and make disciples of all people. And we always try to tell people the great commission wasn't the great, uh, great suggestion it's actually a commandment. And as Christians, we even think about Christ returning. But he told us, and think about it, the Great Commission was the last thing he said to us. And we know that if he's going to ever return, we have to fulfill that commission. Now, as Marty, I believe it was Marty that was saying, there are almost 7,000 people groups that have not been reached, that have never heard the name of Jesus. We have missionaries in the field who will literally go into a village and ask if they have heard of, if they know Jesus, and they will say no, but if you try the next, you know, village over, they might know him there. I mean, they have no idea what the name of Jesus is. And at World Mission, we operate in something which is called the 1040 window. So if you look across northern Africa at, at the degrees of 10 and 40, that's where we're at. And this is the area where the majority of unreached people are. There's roughly a billion people in that area. And what is just fascinating is that here in the United States, we actually spend more money on Halloween costumes 
for our dogs than we do reaching unreached people in the 1040 window. If you can imagine that. Now, the other thing that motivates us is we understand we work with other groups and we have a lot of information, a lot of data. And one of the things that we understand is that every year about 60 or every day, about 66,000 people die in that 1040 window who have never been evangelized. So if you think about that, that's literally every time your heart beats, every time your heart beats, someone just passed away and never, ever heard the name of Jesus. So that's what we're doing. Now, we work with other ministries. We do have, we have our airplanes and we're, you know, ministering. And we have places that we call Shiloh centers, which are centers that we put up in that area. Even listening to you, we work in, uh, what am I thinking in the country, uh, Mauritania, where slavery is legal. Can you imagine? There's a country where slavery is still legal right now. And we're operating in that, in that area as well as others. We deal with, uh, when the 10, when you look at the 1040 window, you see this is the area that is very heavily controlled by, uh, Islam, Muslims, Hindu, uh, and we deal a lot with uh, what's called the Boko Haram. And I don't know if you've heard of that, but I always liken the Boko Haram that if they ever had a terrorist party and ISIS and Boko Haram and Al Qaeda was there, the ISIS guys and the Al-Qaeda guys would get together and say, stay away from the Boko Haram people, they're nuts. So that's how crazy these people are. And the people who we work with, we think about going to church and we think about, geez, you know, it's a sunny day, maybe I'd like to do something else, you know, or it's cold out, I don't know if I'll get a good parking space. These people go to church on Sunday morning with the idea that this may be the day that I meet Jesus. Because the Boko Haram may come to our church and just machine gun us all up. And that happens all the time. And our ministers get taken hostage and they get, they get taken by their own governments because it's illegal to have a Bible. It's illegal to preach the Word of God. Now what we've done over the years at World Mission, there's two main things we've done. And this will explain where your money's going to go. One, we have recorded the Bible in 6,000 languages and dialects. And the way we have done that is we go into the field, into the missionary field, and we find local people who speak the local language and speak English and can read, and then we literally record this in the field, and then we take those 6,000 languages and dialects and we put them onto a small device that you've seen here before, which is called the Treasure, which is a solar-powered MP3 player. Now, the reason we do that is because there are great missionary organizations all over the world that are doing wonderful things. But when they go into the field and they start to minister and they start to grow churches, these people have no way of growing in the Word because the majority of these people are illiterate. So they can't, even if you could find a Bible in their language, which you can't, they wouldn't be able to read it anyways. So we provide them with these little digital outfits, and sometimes we have speakers on them, and they have listening groups, and they listen to the Word of God. Now, what we do with that is 
We have local indigenous pastors. So over the past 20 years, we've trained up and recruited local people, local to these countries and tribes. And when I say these languages, what you have to understand is you can have a tribe right here, and 30 miles over, they speak a different language or a different dialect. So you're literally trying to deal with each one of those. And they don't, honestly, they don't trust us. When we come over there and they see Americans show up, their first thing in their mind is, what are these people doing? What do they want from me? So we raise up and train local pastors who look and talk just like them because they have more credibility. Not that we don't have people over there all the time, but we have all these local people who have credibility, who look like them and talk like them. Some of our ministers are even, uh, I'll give you an example. One of our ministers, a gentleman by the name of Dio, he was actually an imam. He was actually trained as an imam. And what's so awesome with Dio is he wanders into a village and he's fully dressed in his imam garb. And when the imam walks into a village over there, you know, everything stops and you pay attention to the imam. And what Dio does is he walks in, he carries his Koran, he shows them Jesus in the Koran. Then he puts the Koran away and he says, now let's learn more about Jesus. <laughs> and he picks up a Bible and he opens the Bible and now he starts telling them about Jesus. So we're literally using Islam and using uh, the Koran to tell people about Jesus. Uh, other things that we do, we also have something called Zoe Waters. We actually have well drilling, well drilling equipment all over northern Africa. And uh, what we have found is that when we go into a village, we try to find a need. The need might be it might be um, veterinary care. We have people that can do veterinary care because the, the cow is sick. Okay, let's go fix the cow. They don't have any water. Let's drill a well for them. Because you find that when you come in and you do something, you have a better chance in getting them to pay attention to you when you say you can do something else. Uh, especially with the water, because once we drill the well, we try to tell them, well, you think this water is great, you should find about this living water that we can tell you about. And then they pay attention. Now, what I want to tell you about is what your money is going to do. Uh, at World Mission, no one on the board makes any money. All the money goes into ministry. This is a check for $10,000. When you think about laying up jewels in heaven, what you are about to lay up is that $10,000 is going to spread the actual gospel to almost 40,000 people. So you are going to be responsible for 40,000 people who have never heard the word of God before. And they're going to hear it because of what you're doing here today. What we do is, uh, we're working, we do a lot of work with uh, Franklin Graham and his group and uh, with In Touch Ministries. And Franklin Graham's group actually went in and studied the treasure. They actually put people in and they wanted to find out how effective is this. And what they found out is for each one of those little machines that we put into that 1040 window, 
160 people listen to it. Because it starts in a listening group. There'll be six or ten people. And then this guy, and it becomes their most prized possession, by the way. These people will, you know, fight to the death not to lose this thing. But then they'll loan it to another person, and he'll hold a a listening group, and then they'll have a listening group, and they'll have one, and then it'll come back to them for Tuesday, and these people get it for Wednesday, and they, they travel around, and that's basically how it works. They are able to sit and listen to the Word of God in their native tongue, in their own dialect. Uh, I wish you could see, and I know you have, I wish you could see some of the, the things that happen. I'm going to tell a little quick story. We opened up a center in uh, Nigeria, in the Nigeria area. And uh, we have these buildings, we call them Shiloh Centers. And the Shiloh Center, this particular one, was getting ready to open, and it wasn't going to open for about six days. And the purpose behind it was to help women who had been raped and beaten and abused. About six days before it opened, there was a line in front of the door. And this line had about 100 or 200 people in it. And uh, one of our missionaries went to our local pastor and said, this is just supposed to be for women that have been raped and abused. Why are they all lining up? And he says, they all have been. That's literally how bad the problem was. And again, you see that. Same thing with, it's amazing how this ties together. We're doing that, the airplanes, all of the things that that you are investing in today are going to change lives. So on behalf of World Mission, I want to thank you for the check, and we will make sure that it goes to very good use. Join me in prayer, will you? Lord, we're so thankful for um, the opportunity to partner with uh, with people, uh, partner with missions to advance your kingdom. So we thank you for each one that's here today. I thank you for Laura and Leslie and uh, Com- Community Resource Center and for um, how they stand in the gap to help people right in our own community. Lord, we thank you for Jocelyn and your calling on her life And, Lord, how you've uh, called her to uh, be such a key part in world missions of being a missionary pilot. And so we thank you for the way you have uh, guided her so far. And, Lord, we just uh, are privileged that we can uh, be a small part in her uh, training. And thank you for the way that you will use her in years to come to advance uh, the gospel. Lord, we're thankful for Tent Makers Bible Mission uh, thank you for the Thompsons. Thank you for Dick and Carolyn and their faithful years of service to you. Um, Lord, as they have a new director, Chuck Matthias, Lord, we pray that you will bless him, uh, guide him as he leads this uh, mission to advance your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for women at risk. Thank you for what you placed in Becky's heart many years ago. And, Lord, we just thank you for those that are being rescued. Uh, Lord, just heighten our awareness of of this problem. Don't let us just stick our heads in the sand. And uh, thank you that we can come alongside and partner with them. And uh, we just uh, thank you that uh, Becky was able to be here today um, and, uh, and join us. 
And then, Lord, we thank you for world mission, and we think of these treasures and uh, 40,000 people that will hear the gospel. Lord, we pray that your Spirit of God would pierce through their hearts. And that someday we will meet many, many people that are in heaven because of uh, this gift. So, um, Lord, you're the, you're the God who multiplies gifts. And just as you multiplied that young boy who brought the five loaves and two fish at that uh, great gathering, Lord, may you take these gifts and multiply them and use them for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.